Well, welcome back to Return the Disc. This is a special night on a Friday night. Hold on, my where... glasses are fogging up. Good grief. Paul can't handle the humidity at camp. <laughs> That's right. Paul from Twin Flicks is joining me here at Camp Crystal Lake. We are going to review, discuss the first eight Friday the 13th movies, starting with part one tonight. Yes, I have. Mine's red. Yeah, I don't know why mine is blue. It's the same thing, though. Same thing. Same thing. Good grief. My, eye, my glasses keep fogging up. Got your warning from from Ralph. I think it's what his name was, right, Ralph? Ralph. God damn it, Ralph! Get out of here! Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. Oh, I guess I don't remember the names. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right. So this is my out of context rundown by a first time watcher. One snake death, one white dude pretending to be an Indian, strip monopoly, instead of rent, you pay in clothes, axe to the head, babes in the woods, bacon in bed, one beheading, one mom who will do anything for their son, and I counted in, I counted nine kills. So, Paul, how wrong was that? Okay, so Friday the 13th has 10 dead bodies, knife to the stomach, throat slitting, only two boobs. Disappointing. Gratuitous nipples through the shirt, bare naked humping, cleaver through the back, axe to the face, arrow through the forehead, arrow through the neck, frying pan to the head, fire poker to the face, and one decapitation. And what more do you need? Sounds like an awesome movie. <laughs> so, Paul, this was my first time watching this, and I have to say, what an experience. I didn't know much going into it other than, like, Jason's this figure, slasher, a la Michael Myers, they wanted to do something. Paramount wanted to make something similar to Halloween, a ripoff. So I expected, you know, full-blown hockey mask, Jason. We get to, like, the third act, and there's this old lady showing up here, and it turns into, like, this crazy Twin Peaks experience that I got to say, a lot of the kills didn't really work for me. Some of them did. We'll get into that, but... Overall, I had a great time, and I really think Friday the 13th is a must-see for any slasher fan. I was thinking, you know, if someone was just getting into not just horror but slasher, do they really need to watch the first one? And then I was thinking, well, yeah, you kind of do because it sets it's, – it's not the greatest Friday the 13th movie, but it sets it all up of what's to come. Yeah, I remember seeing this actually for the first time – um, when I was 14, 14, somewhere around there. And, uh, and it was with Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs. He did an awesome Friday the 13th um, marathon on, on Halloween night. Okay, first up is the original Friday the 13th. And what can I say that hadn't been said before about this movie? This is the one that started it all. I don't know why they didn't do, it on, do Halloween, but they did Friday the 13th. And the only one they couldn't secure the rights to, I think, was four four or seven, but they did all of them one minus one of them, one through eight minus one. I loved it being 14 years old. And so I went to go rent it. And then I ended up renting all of them. And nice. yeah, I mean, I've owned it on DVD. I've owned it on well, Blu-ray. And um, honestly, Friday the 13th is a cinematic treasure that should be 
grabbed onto and held onto for dear life because it is just it, it's really the the slasher movie that set up all the cliche of slasher movies halloween sort of did it they kind of set up the you know you have sex you die you take drugs you die but it was right. really friday the 13th that really went all in on that now let's get into some spoilers if you haven't seen the movie like me uh go watch it for sure um i think i was the last person on earth to finally see it you know when it started out with that pov shot and a lot of pov shots were, were in the mind of the killer those were really kind of lame those were lame kills to me i just was like is this really how it's going to be the whole time and i will and, say and though luckily it wasn't i will say though that i really do like with the cold open cold open was it 1958 yeah and i did i didn't care for the pov but i did like where uh before it does the title card and in um the final kill in the cold opening with a girl how it goes into slow motion Mm -hmm. and she screams in slow motion and it doesn't even show the kill i did like how they how they did that and then you have the friday 13th title card almost like mimicking breaking through the the window or through the mm -hmm. camera lens coming at you so i thought that was cool um i mean and, and what a what a ballsy move to make this kind of movie like a big studio to make this kind of movie i, I mean it's really like kind of unheard of well it, it wasn't um uh, made by a big studio, uh, Sean S. Cunningham. I don't know how familiar we are with him. Not He's kind of like a Roger Corman type guy. He made this completely independent. And Not he sure. saw the success of Halloween. Halloween came out in 78, right? Saw the success of Halloween. And he thought, well, what can I do to bank on that? And, uh, and so he thought of Friday the 13th. But what's funny is that this came out in 1980. But it was actually made, I think, in late 78. I don't remember how he got distribution, but um, Paramount later on bought distribution rights. Okay, because um, I was kind of confused. I thought Paramount released it initially. No, no. It was okay. like hardcore uh, indie really, movie. Um, and I guess I, I'm sure he did get... Uh, it may have been... Because I know it was released twice. So maybe after Paramount saw the success of it, then they thought, hey, let's get a distribution deal with this guy. Um, I'm not entirely sure. So if anybody out there is watching this and knows more, let us know in the comments. Yeah. Um, but what I loved about it too is that uh, this was Tom Savini's fourth movie. The kills are pretty lame, but they're also, they're not done, they're lame, but they're good, if that makes sense. Like you like to watch it, but they're not that great of a kill. We weren't doing anything. We were just messing up. Now, if they didn't have Tom Savini, do you think that it would have been as, I don't know what the word is, intriguing or... As well done? Yeah, I mean, well I, done. I don't, I don't think so because the ones that are really good are just that much better than, than the ones prior to it or the reveals. Because there's a lot of, you know, dummy work or prosthetic work in the reveals too. The off-camera, they, they show like off-camera probably gets killed and then they do like the reveal somebody walks into a room and sees the dead body type thing yeah or it shows what was it was it the arrow through the head where yeah he was standing there and it's the actor and then it cuts cuts away cuts back and you, you tell, totally tell it's a yeah, dummy head. yeah 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 i mean yeah. tom savini i think i think he probably saved the movie honestly because he also had 
Thomas Cunningham also gave him gave him some a uh, lot of creative control, and so he helped Sean S. Cunningham kind of ghost direct, I guess you mm -hmm. would say that he kind of ghost directed it as well. Um, and what I love too is is Kevin Bacon is in it. Kevin Bacon will never talk about this movie. He wants to pretend it never existed. What happens was it was a it was a fake neck and chest on the bed like this, and the and the thing is like this, and my neck's like this. And it was, believe me, it was not the comfortable position to say the least. <laughs> blow, like blow the blood through, and uh, uh, and it it that's what's you know part of the, ended up being part of the effect. And we only did it once, and they were like, okay, good, Funny. we got that. And, um, but I think that was one of the coolest kills. It doesn't make sense because how is yeah. the killer under the bed and how long is that arrow that it can actually stick through the mattress? <laughs> but <laughs> that is, that, I was going to say my favorite kill, but that is my favorite kill. The Kevin Bacon through the neck uh, spear. Yeah. That is just so cool. Um, and, and that's a great, you know, effect. It's, it's I think that that's my favorite kill as well. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Kevin Bacon did not bring home the bacon that night. <laughs> no. And he's <laughs> killed fairly early on. Yeah. 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 I'm, what's funny is when I first saw this, when I was like 14 or something, I didn't even realize Kevin Bacon was in it. It's like I I knew who Kevin Bacon was, but I I don't know why I didn't register that, that he was in it. And it wasn't until later on when I was a little bit older where I realized, oh, wait a minute, Kevin Bacon's in this? Um, but yeah, he's in it very briefly. And uh, and I think that he he wanted out of that movie because he thought this was just a crap movie and it wasn't going to amount to anything. And he wanted to be a serious actor. And um, yeah, so he made I mean, Footloose. He, he would go on to do like you know Diner. I think helped to launch him into Footloose. And Footloose like is what really launched him into stardom. Yeah, um, for sure. And Animal House. About... I think he showed his Animal House too. But yeah, oh, go yeah. ahead. You want to talk about the score? Yes, I was going to say that is one of the major highlights as well as the practical effects, but the score if they don't have that score and that, you know, the music or the the sound effects throughout and, and just oh, it's the so use iconic. Of, yeah, if you don't have that, it doesn't work either. So, do you know any of the behind the scenes? I don't. Of Well, let me tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. You know that you know where it goes, uh, where it sounds like cha cha cha, or like yeah. ch, 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 ha, ha. what's what happened is Pamela uh, Voorhees, Mrs. Voorhees says, "Kill her, mommy." And Henry Manfredini said that the scene stuck with him as one of the creepiest scenes in the movie. Um, that she actually hears her dead son telling her to kill these these people and that's what drives her you know she's gone insane it, and so right. she hears her dead son motivating her to kill and henry manfredini the composer said that so he decided to use the words kill and mommy as two syllables as k-i and m and m-a so it's really wow. and he recorded it himself um whispering that and then he kind of manipulated it with with what with the um tools he had and so it doesn't really go, cha, 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 you know, that's how you kind yeah. of how you think of it. It's ka, 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 ma, 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 ka, 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 wow. ma, ma, ma. And uh, 
so I thought, I always think that's interesting. And you're right. The music is so good in this. And if two things, Tom Savini and Henry Maffredini, if they didn't have those two combinations, this movie probably wouldn't be where, where it is today. And, and um, I would say Mrs. Voorhees, her performance. I am Jason. It's just, it elevated the film for me. It actually, that's what sold the film for me. At that point, I was like, okay, this is this is not very good. And, you know, Paul's right. He's like, go in with it. You know, you need a case of beer. You need to just let your mind go type of deal. But when she shows up and she explains the backstory of her son drowning and she was working it, at the camp. and It doesn't make a lick of sense. No, but like, she sold me. And just it's so over the top. And then you have like the final girl versus the mother at the battle. And they're actually scrummaging in the sand and everything. It just looked like a cool choreographed fight. I, I, I yeah, I, I really did like how, how they fought. Um, of course, if, if anybody doesn't know, do we spoil who the killer is? <laughs> I'm sure everybody knows. Um, Actually, it's, it's Scream, the movie Scream. If you've seen that, you know who the killer is. It's the mother, <laughs> not Jason. But what's funny is that even people that have seen this movie multiple times and say you haven't seen it in a couple years or you know 10 years or so, you forget that it's actually the mom that was the original killer. And um, is it, there are times where well, I've talked to other people and they're like, well, yeah, Jason. Like, no, the mom is a killer. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, it's Jason. It's always Jason. It's always been Jason. And that that kind of shows also the power of these movies that Jason has become such a icon with these movies that you immediately think Friday the 13th wall well, it's Jason. Just like, you know, you 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 yeah. thought that it was I mean, Jason. The cover is literally yeah. that, you know. Yeah, and you know, I mean it doesn't make sense that she has has to seek your revenge for every single person who goes to Camp Crystal Lake. Like, why does she need to kill these camp camp counselors? No, they they didn't do anything to to her son. And I guess it, you know, I guess they justify it by saying, well, the camp counselors back in 1958 they were smoking, having sex, doing drugs that they ignored her kid drowning in the lake, and so she seek to revenge and killed all the camp counselors. But why does she have to keep doing it 20 years, 20, 30 years later? <laughs> so, and, and by the way, her son looks like the, the kid from mask from the eighties, 85 or something, you know, it's like Jason. He, I mean, I'm sure they'll go into that later in the installments, maybe like the backstory of, of but something. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, but let me ask you this, because I'm really curious about this. Yeah. Yeah. So did you, did you think it was over when she's uh, in the canoe resting the music swells? Let me explain what I, yeah, let me explain what I was thinking. So beautiful scenery again, throughout this whole film, which also is a selling point, you know, gorgeous scenery. We had this um, police officer standing on the shore. Our final girl is floating in the canoe. She's safe. And it's just too good to be true. So I was thinking, this is, is this really it? And then, you know, of course I jumped out of my seat. 
because of the of the of the, uh, the 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 uh, the sound cue. It just I had my volume up and stuff too, so it was just scared the crap out of me. Um, yeah. Had to change my shorts, but you have <laughs> this like Jason Swamp creature attack the final girl, take her, and then we cut to like she's in the hospital. Yeah, I loved yeah, it. I loved it. And and it can't remember exactly how it ends, but they they make like it was a dream that she was attacked by Jason in the water. Yeah, right. I wasn't that, sure that, if it was real ended? either. I thought maybe she was imagining it like she was in a coma or something and she just had that vision. Okay. Yeah, because it you know, you, you can't really spoil these movies, but but um in the second one picks up right after the first one. So she's right. still in the hospital. And and it kind of makes you even think in the second one, well, did this really happen? So I I do like how they did that where where it ends with her in a hospital. Is you you know it probably did happen, but I always thought of did the ending actually happen with the kid jumping out of the water, or did she was it um um you know a, a, a coma dream after she was rescued? That's how I always thought of it. I think it's gonna be. I think it's a coma dream because the kid hadn't aged, right? Yeah, and she's supposed to be present day. So the kid again, hasn't aged. So, and like you said, though, over text, you're like continuity is thrown out the window on these. So it could be, could have happened, hundred percent, and it could not have happened. So, but I like to think that it's her brain imagining this because um, she's so frightened and and shocked by what happened. You're doomed if you stay here. I mean, she literally decapitated Mrs. Voorhees, which kind of puts a target on her back for this Jason you know, to take her out. So um, anybody who's watching this, sh should we tell him? <laughs> no, don't tell me. <laughs> don't, don't say anything in the comments, guys. You got to save for a surprise for Dan <laughs> because he's going to be blown away by what actually happens. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to bring out though is that because people always um, compare this and Halloween. Okay. And the one problem I've always had of Halloween is that it's full of redeeming qualities. <laughs> so, so there's always redeeming values. Michael Myers has no reason why he's killing people. He he's just a machine killing people. And Friday mm -hmm. the 13th, um, you know, we don't even know why these people are being killed really until the very end. And we already talked about that where the reasoning is kind of lame. And, um, and so it's kind of like if if I guess it depends on what you're in the mood for as far as a slasher movie. Do you want just you know check every check check all reality out the at the at the door, and you just want brute force violence for no reason whatsoever? You just want to laugh at people being mutilated, or do you want something like Halloween that is more you know has more of a plot, more of a story behind why Michael Myers or why the villain's killing people? Um, so that's the thing too. I mean, when you were going into it, were you thinking, is there going to be similarities to this and Halloween? Well, I knew, I knew it was sort of their answer to Halloween or it was the ripoff of Halloween yeah. going into it. Um, I did not expect it to be the mother, um, as the first villain. 
I had heard, you know, I've listened to podcasts, of course, and stuff, and I've heard people talk about uh, Jason's mother, but this was the full effect. I mean, we're getting to like David Lynch level acting here with her. I mean, it's just, it's, it turns into like this comedy of like absurdity. And I was laughing throughout their whole fight because it, it was, it was really entertaining. What's funny is that uh, Betsy Palmer, who's the actress, she, she was a, a stage actress as a stage actor. And she did before she did fire 13, she did all these like you know, real dramatic, serious movies and TV shows and stage plays and um and this came out in 80 yeah so i was trying to think of the years when i say this because she um she saw the success that um who played obi-wan again on star wars i can't believe alec guinness alec guinness she saw this because alec guinness you know i mean he was in huge movies oh, a yeah. bunch of uh david lean movies he was in um you know strict drama dra drama movies very serious actor yeah and then he does star wars and his career took off and he has said that he made more money on star wars than he did on anything else he ever made and so and i've seen some interviews with betsy palmer and she said she heard of that and she thought well you know, horror is getting big right now, especially after Halloween. I'm just going to try this and have some fun with it. And the same thing. She made more money off of that, this little movie than she ever did in anything else she's done. Wow. wow. And that's, I mean, that also shows the power of genre movies. And I know some people that are into film and filmmaking, they think genre is bad. Well, you, I, I don't want to watch genre movies. Well, that shows the power of genre movies. And when it's done right and when it's done well, it works. I mean, like like you said, you've heard that the mother was in this. Mm -hmm. You heard that, that she's the killer. But when you're watching it, you, you forget about that because of how well it's done. And then, like you said, you were surprised when it actually did the reveal that it was, that, that was the mother. Yeah, and so, was, that was well done. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why she she went ahead and took it, reluctantly took it, and she's given interviews where she begrudgingly took it. Um, but she she said that she's never seen the movie, wow. but uh, wow. but she was happy that she took it in the end. <laughs> I just I wonder. She, if... <laughs> she took it in the end. Betsy. So Betsy Palmer in the end was glad that she took the role because it elevated her status as an actor and she started getting all this tv work and movies and um and but still this is the movie that she's known for which is crazy because it's the same way as alec guinness star wars is, is the movie that he's most known for when he did dr shivago and he did all these bridge on the river, river Kwai. yeah yep. but uh anyways I, I was just yeah i was thinking that, that the power of genre films and it's not a bad word to like genre movies. Um, no, it's not. And I think that was called me back personally from watching this sooner. I just, you know, I kind of grew up in a environment where horror wasn't really looked upon as, first of all, not moral. Second of all, not even any good. So it took me a while. I was a late bloomer. So the last 10 years, I've been catching up on these franchises. Um, and I'm glad we're doing this. Well, I love oh. what, when you said that not, not moral, I love what Roger Ebert said about it. His first words in his review was, this is complete moral, irrehensible trash. 
and it isn't but that's what makes it good it's like you know that sometimes you want to watch that you got it's a release valve you know oh i released i was laughing hysterically <laughs> by the end you know there was just like on the couch it was better than i expected it to be and yeah. by the way this disc looks amazing the 4k <laughs> restoration yeah um, the first the, the first three have a uh, 4k restoration and uh it's not uhd but it looks fantastic it looks great yeah um yeah the colors really pop and it looks clean uh, i was surprised i don't know do you have surround sound i do uh, okay so I, I listened to it on surround sound and man when the music hits there it it, it it's it's hard jumps and, man yeah yeah it gets you and um and especially the the bass level that it has on it and um yeah because it i mean and that's what makes a great horror horror movie and it's not necessarily i don't know well i guess you'd call it jump scare but i always hate using that word for for horror movies is jump scare but it depends on what kind of jump scare it is i guess right but some work some don't majority of the time they don't work because they're not done right but obviously this one was done right because you jumped out of your shorts for this one <laughs> yeah i mean you're coming from like disney princess music to <laughs> horrific jump you know and, and by the way jason looks scary coming out of the swamp or the lake you know and so it's yeah, it's it was quite the experience, and I'm I'm so glad that we watched it. Or at least I watched it for the first time. It's just what a great yeah. start to this franchise. Um, yeah. Any other I thoughts mean, on this movie? I mean, there there honestly isn't a whole lot to talk about with this one, right? Um, I, and I keep telling you, I can't wait to get into four, four, five, and six because that is like the meat of the franchise, and I mean. Crispin Glover is in four, and he's oh, insane. <laughs> oh, like, um, this is right around Back to the Future, I would imagine too. Yeah, yeah, around then. I think it was, I think he did it before Back to the Future, but yeah. And so two is like it's it's okay, but three, four, yeah, that's when it really takes off. And um, and what's interesting too is the the this is I was thinking earlier today thinking about Jason. And this is a stuntman's wet dream because you have all these stunts to do, all these creative kills. You don't say a word. So there's no acting involved except for your body. And it's been played by, I think, three different people. Um, I think Kane Hodder started with six. Yeah, I think it started with six. But, and for good reason, which you'll see later on with six because they Can't need wait. someone a lot bulkier. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's good start. If if you guys haven't seen Friday the Thirteenth, don't start with two or three. You really do need to start with the first one. Um, so I do give it my a recommendation. I do too, definitely. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to dive into the into the rest of the remaining sequels of this because there are some great kills coming up that you're gonna love. Well, Paul, where can people find you on the internet? Um, uh, where am I? <laughs> my YouTube channel, Twin Flicks. And if you guys aren't familiar with my channel, I do uh, 4K versus Blu-ray comparison videos. Um, 
we're going to be doing a uh, Martin Scorsese, um, I guess, director spotlight where we're going to rank some. Um, we're going to pick uh, five movies. Stallone movies. I mean, <laughs> we're going to pick five Stallone Martin's, movies. Uh, Martin, Martin Scorsese movies. Martin Scorsese movies. Yeah, we're going to pick and, five uh, each and talk about them. Yeah, yeah, which is going to be really hard to do. Uh, and then I'm on TikTok. I usually use if you if you subscribe to my TikTok, you actually get videos a couple days earlier before they're live on YouTube. So if you want to do that, it's just uh, twin underscore flicks. And then you know uh, Instagram and Twitter is Paul underscore twin flicks. I think. And those are down in the description, guys. I'll put them down there for you. Well, and, then I didn't uh, even say anything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah look at the links below to follow paul guys and uh yeah that'll do it for part one of friday the 13th thank you guys so much for being here let us know in the comments if you've seen it what you think of it and as always it's been returning to disc i'm dan peace out later guys <laughs>